When I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor like any other Asian American. Now I'm a food content creator. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is H. Wu Lee. H. Wu is a rising food content creator and founder of his underground fine dining supper club, Maru Los Angeles. He graduated from the University of Southern California in May 2019 and currently works for celebrity wedding planner Kevin Lee. In the summer of 2017, H. Wu taught himself how to cook and this passion has only escalated ever since. During his senior year, he hosted weekly dinners out of his apartment for guests. In 2019, he officially founded Maru Los Angeles, which focused on Korean-Italian fine dining and the social experience of dining. In December 2020, H. Wu began food content creation on TikTok. His high-intensity, quick-clip cooking videos showcase his culinary skills and personality, and he looks forward to expanding towards other digital media platforms and reopening his supper club after COVID. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, H. Wu. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. <laughs> I am thrilled to have you. I mean, it is just so tempting to go through all of your TikTok videos, and I end up really hungry and wanting to try your meal. So I am really awaiting the return of Maru, so I can hopefully check that out post-COVID. I'd love to start at kind of the very beginning when you taught yourself how to cook because I'm always skeptical of how can someone get so great by teaching themselves without having a teacher or, or, or a guide. Like theoretically, yes, you, somebody could train for the Olympics by watching YouTube videos. But like you are actually case in point proof that somebody could get really good through teaching themselves a skill. And I'd love to learn how you taught yourself and got good at making such awesome meals. Where do I even begin? Uh, summer of 2017, I was living alone for the first time at USC on Menlo, if you know where. And yes, I lived on Ellendale, so I'm very familiar with Menlo. Neighbors right there. Uh, and I was learning how to cook because I didn't like any of the food options around there. It was all horrendous. It was overpriced and incredibly unhealthy. And so the first dish I learned was Gordon Ramsay's Eggs Benedict, which is like not an ideal first dish to learn, but I said, fuck it. I was like, let's try this. I really want Eggs Benedict. And it took me like three hours to make, even though it shouldn't have. And I messed up the hollandaise first time. I read it again. I was like, okay, I got it. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled into doing more and more research. The amount of hours I've spent on YouTube cooking videos is, I can't, I, I don't even know, like probably weeks. I, I don't even know. Like every night I had, I'm pretty sure every night I would spend at least an hour just watching some cooking video. It was, it was consistent and I was reading, I was just watching so much. And it wasn't until my senior year of college where one, I got a sous vide machine and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a, no, please. What, what is that for the layman in the audience? <laughs> it is a water circulator that 
um, you cook your food in a water bath and the food is vacuum sealed in like some plastic bag or container so that the idea real quickly is that you cook your food at the temperature you're going to eat it at versus trying to cook it in an open flame or in the oven and trying to guess when your food is done. Mm, okay. So that's like in a gist. That cooking technique, when I got that machine, like opened up my eyes to being a lot more ambitious with my culinary aspirations. Um, and like to this day, I'm still like learning more and more and more. Um, but that definitely like was a catalyst for everything else. And then I watched a documentary called Paladar. It's on munchies. And it was these USC kids who started like an underground supper club at USC. And it was like $15 for like appetizer main dessert. And I was like, let me take a stab at this. Like, why not? Right. And so Aaron, uh, one of my roommates and you know him as well. Uh, and the rest of my roommates, they would all help me out when I just invited people over to have dinner. And every time, every week when another group of people came over, I would just like try to think of a new recipe or try to find a new recipe and just like be a little bit more ambitious the next time until eventually here I am and this is like the level I'm at and I just need to keep keep learning more and more and more. Um, and I've just like always tried to be really thoughtful and like consume knowledge of every YouTube video I've watched, uh, every cookbook that I've read and just tried it. Like, just like do, just do it. Like just do it in the kitchen. If you fuck it up, it's fine, but just try it. So. You're saying you tried new recipes pretty regularly. How often were you practicing them before you served them to a group? For most of my dinners, I never practiced. I was the first time I made oh that God. dish and I served it. And I was like, let's go. Yeah, probably not the best practice if you're trying to serve food to people. However, it worked out. I mean, people liked it. And do you, are, you doing that, are you doing that with your TikToks as well? Or is there a little rehearsal that goes into it before? Uh, the TikToks, I've done most of those recipes before. Is there a recipe I haven't done? No, the TikToks, I think all those dishes I've done at least once. There's a few I think I haven't done before, but I, I had a general idea of how each component to the dish works. Yeah. And I never put it together that way. But I don't know. I mean, like, for my dinners, I always serve something I've never practiced before, which is psychotic. Um, but I was like, fuck it, it's going to work. Like, I don't know why. I just, like, told myself it was going to work, and yes, I did. This reminds me of, there's there's a comedy um, place here in L.A. called The Laugh Factory, and they have, or they, pre-COVID, they had a show, I think it was Tuesday nights, called New Material Night. And it was mm. just comedians going up and trying new material, although it sounds like you were having way better results than, than they did from what I've heard <laughs> from comedians who go up there. But I think there's something so cool about how you were constantly discovering new recipes and giving it a shot. I think what people might be curious about is how did you, have, there are so many recipes out there, of all the recipes that you were sifting through, what were some of the qualities that attracted you to one that made you compelled to give it a shot? I definitely wanted to learn how to make restaurant food that I couldn't have at home, that most people can't have at home to learn on my own. That's like where the eggs that came from. It's like, 
I like people eat eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict at home, like at least what during that time I like, couldn't think about it. I think nowadays, like a lot more people getting home cooking, yeah. especially COVID. Um, I was like, let me just like, learn things specifically that are usually only found at restaurants and you know find at people's homes. And and I was just a hungry boy. I was like, oh, really kill for like poor Billy Balbun right now or something. And then like I like try to learn it and then I get it down and just kind of kept going. It was like whatever that I just really wanted to crave. It was never like, oh, I'm trying to learn healthy foods to like help my diet or I'm trying to learn like this region of cuisine to like right. excel that. And I was like, what am I feeling? I'm feeling that. Let's try it. And that was it. Well. So I mean, I know that you've talked a little bit about how Pomodoro was one of the first magical dishes that got you excited to cook for other people. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. what was what was the beauty in that dish that moved you so much and kind of put some of these wheels in motion? It's just buttery tomatoey pasta. And it was really more of my friend Aaron's reaction of like H it's so much money for this you know i'm like dude it's just fucking pasta and i like threw it in the oven for i don't know half an hour 45 minutes and i didn't even touch it i didn't do any like technique or what he was like no H, you don't understand like your pasta is my favorite thing i'm like i'm not i'm not even making the pasta from scratch <laughs> but it's his reactions his emotions that i really liked right and i really like serving people good food whether i think it's like actually advanced or not it's like they enjoy the experience and that gives me a positive feedback and that just motivates me to keep going so you know that was the first dish where i actually was like okay maybe i could like sell food and like aaron just like really helped me out in terms of like just constant feedback on all my cooking actually my biggest problem and Probably my biggest problem to this day still, and I think most folks, is timing when you're serving multiple people and multiple courses is incredibly difficult. Yeah. You need to make sure that you're prepared with everything. And I remember in the early days of me doing my dinners out of my apartment, I had people wait like a half hour and they were totally fine with it because they were my friends and just chit-chatting, having a drink. But I, they would like wait a half hour longer before any of the food is ready. And I'm like in the kitchen, in this corner, little kitchen, like, oh my God, where the fuck is this? Where is this? Got to get this going. Why is this so slow? And then Aaron would be like, H, you're doing a good job. Just remember next time. And I'm like, yes, and I always fucked it up. <laughs> Because timing is so damn hard when you're serving multiple people. But I learned like the hard way when I was doing my dinners out of my kitchen. And that's the hardest part I think of cooking, honestly. As somebody who does creative work, not in cooking, but just in writing and other, other fields, something that, that's really resonant about what you just said is you gave yourself the opportunity to test out this passion, test out some experimental dishes in an environment where the stakes were low because you were with your friends. And so, like you said, everybody was chit-chatting, they were having a great time. They didn't even know, they, they didn't even know what the time was, right? And so I think that yeah. that's something that is really interesting to me that it took me a while to learn is my inclination in the beginning, you know, years ago was probably if I'm creating something, I wanna show it to the most established person that I can possibly find. 
and get their feedback. Mm. But I think what you did is really awesome where you started with your close network of friends and worst case scenario for them, they got a free meal and got to hang out with their friends. Uh, and then all the other stuff, yeah. the other stuff came with it. So I like that you that you start you started that way. And I think that's a valuable lesson that goes beyond cooking and into other creative fields. I mean, if I were if I were to shadow you leading up to one of these dinners, here's what I'm curious about. In in movie and TV, the way we look at projects is pre-production, production, and post. So if we were to look mm. if we were to look at one of your dinners that way and I were to shadow you through that process, what would I see in the prep? What would I see in the quote production? So during the actual dinner, and then what are you doing after the dinner? What kind of reflection are you doing afterward, if any? So I'll kind of use my my latter dinners, which are more six, seven course tasting menus at a different location. And that's what I did after graduation until COVID hit. Uh, preparation for those was intense. Uh, it's a lot of meticulous work on like, you know, different vegetables, proteins, um, making sure that the sauces are done right. And I would just have them all stored. And this would be done days beforehand. Like if I did two dinners on that week, I was starting Sunday, Monday, um, and like applying ingredients then. And like throughout the week, I'd like go into the kitchen, just like prep everything there. Uh, during the dinner, it's it's like performance time. It's like it's like a, you're putting on a performance with your team. So like it's pretty high pace. I'm just like, all right, let's get this done, this done, this done, this done. On the on the wall, I would have exactly each dish. You need to have this, 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 and like I would check every dish before it went out. And all of my servers would be like, okay, like this goes to here. That person has an allergy. Like it's like high energy, right? And then post production. You know, we, the very important, the most important thing is to make sure that our guests had a good time. And so we actually probably spend an hour, hour and a half before we even like clean up stuff. We're just like talking with the guests. Mm. Um, we do some of our cleanup during like the, the second to last course or the last course of the dinner because they're still eating. We have a little more downtime from like a dessert dish is not as difficult to do. So we would like clean up like maybe halfway. But then once the dinner was done, we would go out to the dining room area, all of our team, and we would just like chit chat it for half an hour, hour, hour and a half, just to make sure that everyone had a great time because our job was to make sure they had a great time. So uh, we would just have more drinks, chit chat more, do a little like networking. Oh, what's your Instagram? <laughs> And and then once everyone left, we were like, okay, let's clean up. Tomorrow's a new day. And if there was another dinner the next day, I'd be like, all right, I'm probably getting three hours of sleep, but let's do it again. And I was so happy to get up again. Like, just kept going. There are so many. I don't know if that explains there, it yeah, there, there are so many beautiful things about this supper club that excite me. So the way you bring people together, I think, by itself is cool. Just getting getting a group of people together for an intimate event, I always find really beautiful. I like how you you are part of it too. You're not a separate entity. Like you integrate yourself into what you're creating. And it's funny that you bring up the the chit chat and you know the Instagram. Like what's what's your Instagram? That because that's such a that's become such a commonplace part of meeting people now. It, it's funny to think about and the whole concept of internet friends, which is kind of like how I met you, right? I I discovered I discovered your a post of yours that was shared on an account I follow. And then I did a deep dive on your content. And 
I think what, what I'm curious in terms of your content is, you know, it's, it's one thing to be able to cook really well. And from what I know about friends of mine who have food products, it's actually a separate skill set to style food really well. Do you look at those as two separate things that you are passionate about and you found a way to integrate? Or is the food styling and the plating and all of that, that's something that is you see as one with your cooking? Uh, when I was doing my dinners, I was like, okay, it needs to look presentable. Like you're serving to someone. They, they better not look at it and be like, I don't like it. Because people eat with their eyes first, right? Um, and then they eat with their nose and then they eat with their mouth. So I, I never really thought of the two separately until when I started doing food content creation, my biggest struggle was like lighting and like making sure there isn't like bullshit in the background <laughs> of like a photo. Um, so in terms of like actually styling the food itself, I don't like, I, I am thinking about it more because I'm like, okay, like people are going to look at this, like make sure they like, there's no like problem there. Um, but the biggest like hurdle was like having the right lighting, making sure that, like the camera is like, you know, perfectly, um, parallel to like the countertop. So it doesn't like look angled or anything. And it, it didn't really come too difficult to me in terms of like styling the food because I was already always thinking about that. I was like, food should look good. And that's such a cliche like phrase but it's like i don't want to eat something that looks hideous <laughs> like i don't think you do either like, <laughs> like yeah and then there's also you know david chang's i don't know if he even like made up the term or if it just has been a term ugly delicious yeah. like you know just like big pots of stews that you're shared like personally i don't really find those ugly because i grew up with looking at that kind of same food. like you know but yeah exactly you know, we look, we grow up eating these like shared plates and we look at these shared plates and this is like, this means community to us. And this means like, there's going to be like three different hands going in at the same yeah. pot. Like that's like, that's like nice for us. Um, so I don't know. I've never really, in terms of like the or, like, presentation wise, I've always thought about it. I've never really thought that they were separate. I feel like they are one, like the food and the styling of it. And the only thing that's separate really is like the lighting yeah. and equipment and all that like the techie stuff. I'm like, but I think I have it down. Yeah, that's really interesting too. Cause I was looking back at, I, I just watched all your TikTok videos. I binged your TikTok essentially, which, you know, I caution people because not only will you get hungry, but your, your signature quick editing, your quick cuts remind me, what was that movie? Was it Cloverfield or Shutter Island that everybody was like, it was, it was also known for having, like people were walking out like a little, a little thrown. Um, so I encourage people don't maybe don't binge all at once. L enjoy it over a period of time. I think I think that's that's my suggestion to people who are about to dive into your content for the first time. But what I noticed was your style has actually changed a little bit since your first videos. I like that the whole quick cuts that wasn't entirely there since the very beginning. So you've actually picked up this other skill too on top of the amazing culinary skills you have, which is cinematography. So how did you, how did you kind of figure out your voice cin cinematically? How did you figure out your voice cinematically when it came to your content? A couple months ago, I was like, I was looking at my content. I was like, you're supposed to be very similar to a lot of other people. You have very similar stuff to like 
like how different can you be mm-hmm. like how different can someone be when you're making food and doing all this like it's it's almost impossible the only way to actually differentiate yourself is to throw in your personality in some way shape or form and for me that was like all right i'm gonna pick like you know these different camera angles and you know, i'm gonna show different parts of what i like but then at the end of the day it's like i really wanted to push and like my content from the beginning till now the thing that i really wanted to push more is like my personality and these the commentary in my videos because that i think is what's gonna like help me feel comfortable at the end yeah. of the day with the content that i'm putting out so like the actual like cinematography and everything in the beginning i was like just using an iphone i'm still using an iphone uh i got a little bit more lighting I don't know, maybe around like the third or fourth video and then like just tweak things a bit more and i was looking at more as i've looked at more food content i'm like okay i like that person's lighting i didn't like that part i don't like my part of this put it together try it out everything is still so trial and error with me right now i'm like four months into this food content creation game like next week i might I, I, like who knows i might just be a vegan and just like do vegan <laughs> food only <laughs> Or I, I don't know. Uh, I just started a new series where I'm like making like a person's brand as food. So I'm like just still trying everything out and still everything is just trial and error, trial and error. I saw the first one you posted is of Zhu. Have you, have you connected with Zhu? Has Zhu seen the dish? He is a very private person, I believe. So I don't know if you've seen the actual video, but I've been talking to his uh, merchandise team, mm. actually. And they saw him, they like, oh, it's great. I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, but I've been like chatting with them. Um, I've actually chatted with them for a while just because I always like went to events and chatted with them and also bought their merchandise as well. I'm like the biggest zoo fan ever, like by far. Sorry, I said Zhu like a total noob. His name is Zhu. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Zhu. Um, Zoo, got it. I don't know. People say different things for everything, so they really don't. And you, um, you are listening to techno and electro as you're cooking. Is that is that what gets you pumped? Yeah, I mean that's what I wake up to, honestly. Like twenty four seven. My roommates probably hate me for it, but I'm like constantly listening to house techno, anything electronic. That makes a lot of sense to me because I somewhere I had read that marathon runners when they're training they listen to a playlist that has the beats per minute that they want to go at. And as a someone in the kitchen, you're going at a pretty rapid pace. So it actually makes a lot of sense that you're listening to such energetic, pulsating music to get yeah. you going. So that, that doesn't throw me at all. What I'm curious of is, this is such a fascinating concept, translating. I'm always really interested when people are translating one form into another form. So like you're saying, you're taking a human and you're mm-hmm. finding their essence in a culinary piece. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the factors you think about? We'll go with Zoo, for example. Like what what were the factors you were connecting in your head as you were doing the alchemy of taking this person and putting him essentially on a plate? I so over the years I've like just studied them and all of these music. He's Chinese American, um, so I kind of started from there. I was like, okay, I should definitely use some, some form of a Chinese dish. Uh, so that's where like the bao buns come in. I know that all of, he like only wears the color black, 
and I also like only wear the color black, which I like identified with. So I was like, okay, let's make the Balvin's black. And then he's always full of like mystery and he is constantly like calamari and like to most people, like I guess like most people who aren't like culinary, like culinary knowledgeable in the culinary world. If you see like squid tentacles, you'd be like, oh, like what is that like alien thing or like just like mysterious thing. So I was seeing that and then for the aioli, I was like, I'm just gonna do black garlic because it's like very potent, but it's also like yeah. unassuming. Um, and these are like all subjective. Like these are all so subjective. Like I, I wish I could get his feedback and for him to be like, oh yeah, I would, I would see myself like that as food, or I'd be like, no, like, I like Zoo would be like, that's not me as food. I'm like, okay, great, but I'll never know. Um, also subjective but that's what i was thinking exactly i was going, I was going to say there's no right answer in this it's there's your no right interpretation answer. you're yeah. bringing your perspective to it too there's a component of part of it is is zoo and the persona he he puts out but it's also your perception and you're bringing your expertise and your experience into it which i think is awesome like i like there was um back when i was at usc i took a class and it was about the style of spielberg it was in the film school mm -hmm. and of course because it's usc at the end of the semester, Steven Spielberg himself comes in for a Q&A. Mm. And he talked about how at one point in like the 80s or something, it was him and a couple other famous directors hanging out. I want to say it was like Martin Scorsese and maybe Francis Ford Coppola or somebody else. Mm. But they were, they were talking amongst themselves about how interesting would it be if one day we all got the same script and went out and directed it we would all ha come back with really different movies. And yeah, so yeah. it's like, it's like if you went off, if I, if you know, you and Nancy Silverton and David Chang were to come back with your interpretation of zoo, I think you would come back with really dramatic, dramatically different interpretations. That that's yeah. my feeling anyway. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many, I mean, that's why there's, that's why you can't patent a recipe, right? Like there's so many different variations for like, a steak a burger or whatever it is because they're just all just people's different interpretations and then one might do better than the other in terms of just social popularity and then that just gets thrown a cookbook more people use it whatever um but yeah it was, it was like food is so subjective and it's just incredibly like trial and error based over the years like who knew that like butter and garlic go together well but like someone just like tried it and like that was it right Right. Um, and like, that's just how it keeps going on air with everything. The last question I have for you before we get to rapid fire is you have such tremendous patience with cooking. Like you talked about the crazy lead time you, ha you give yourself for prep before dinners. How do you find the patience to carry on? Because a as somebody who eats the food, right, they're going to finish it in half an hour, an hour. And that was that might have been five days of your life that you spend mm. that will be consumed in one hour. How do you mentally wrap your head around that and and find it in you to like for me that's really hard to justify, but you you and other chefs clearly find an intrinsic motivation to carry on that way. And I'm curious, you know, uniquely to your circumstances, how do you do that? Part of it is I think the last dish that really took me five days was peaking duck. I did, made that for my family for Christmas and 
like that that's a pain in the ass like i don't think anyone should like go half like i, I don't like tell people go make peking duck but if you do have the time and the patience and you just find reward in like making something so laborious by all means go fucking do it but um for me it's like i really savor these moments of whatever it's like concerts food you know like time with friends whatever it is like i'm just like a very i value experiences like wholeheartedly that's just Mm. hospitality all that so if i'm gonna spend 10 days making something and it's like the best damn thing in the world i'll wait those 10 days versus like having something mediocre for 10 days straight like I'm like a, just a very extreme, like all or nothing. And so I want to go if I'm going to do something. I really like that perspective because I tend to look at food as pretty transactional. Mm-hmm. Like I need fuel to keep going. This is just something I have to check off, at least during the week. During weekends, I might I might get more crafty. But yeah, the way you're looking at it is really powerful because it's almost like you're looking at it as a memory. You're looking at you're looking at it the same way I might remember a, a really cool vacation I had where you're, yeah. you're going to remember that Peking duck because it's like it's like how I would look at the first time I went to Canada or whatever. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's it's a, it has a special place in my head because it was it was a cool moment. So I really like that. One, one last thing. Sorry, before we get into rapid fire that I think people would appreciate yeah. is where do you find inspiration for your dishes because i think like we know about bon appetit and youtube but like specifically where do you like to look for recipes serious eats i like um i find a lot of small food bloggers that kind of do i could like i could find the links later and send it to you but like i find a lot of small food bloggers that yeah sure we can put it in the show notes yeah yeah that like do like their own things um and they're like fantastic um a lot of youtubers a lot of youtubers i follow and you know they make a dish like oh wow and then nowadays i'm like watching more tiktok now so i get inspiration from them as well um and then i've just been like collecting more cookbooks and i think i i used to only do digital like in terms of looking at my recipes but more recently in the past like year i've been trying to just focus more on cookbooks because i know that you know, like this person took the time to like write it out and like there's it's something about cookbooks though that I just like holding. It's really it. <laughs> yeah. There's there's always something nice about the tangible feeling of yeah. of that paper and spine. I, I agree. I feel that. Yeah. Um, dude, this is this has been so cool and informative. I I'm so impressed by what you do and how you've quickly picked up it, it seems quick i'm sure like on your end it feels like a like a four or five year overnight success um and to us we just see your tiktoks and we're like whoa this is incredible yeah but it really is it really is awesome to see somebody teach themselves at such a high level and be able to produce something so beautiful and have the compassion to share it with others the way you do so thank you for doing that and and kind of well thank you <laughs> popping the hood and showing us a bit of how it works that that has been awesome well thank you i mean i think one it's like i don't like usually talk about myself but then someone gives me the platform i'll be like okay i guess people are interested in hearing <laughs> and i'm just yeah. like yeah hopefully whatever i say helps inspire someone else and i mean that's how i i feel like that's just how knowledge should be passed down it's like make sure you do your job and 
pass down knowledge or advice or whatever it is to the next generation. Amen. Amen. And on that, on that happy note, we'll go into, we'll wind down with rapid fire questions. Firstly, what's an app that you can't live without excluding the ones that came with your phone, like messages or camera? Uh, SoundCloud. Who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? Um, my friend, a friend that knows me well. So I would say my friend Junli, he's like an aspiring actor and he knows me very well. And, you know, I, like we look like. Awesome. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Um, I just really want to like learn how to surf, honestly. Nobody had to surf. Easier said than done. I can I can share from experience because I have not been able to pull it off, but <laughs> it is it is up there for me as well. Um, where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Um, I actually wrote down North Korea for this, which is funny. I'm going full circle here. Um, I would love to visit, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know when or how, but um, one, my family's my dad's side is from there, and my boss is also from North Korea as well, like his, or his parents were. So just to go back and visit and just see what it's like with no particular plan. Yeah. That's how I feel about my own ancestral homeland, Iran, too. So hopefully one day yeah. we can both safely visit our ancestral homelands. That would be awesome. And lastly, what's a song you like to jam to right now? We have a Spotify playlist where we add each of our guest song recommendations. So if you'd like to make a contribution to the HDYD Jam Spotify playlist, what would it be? It's called uh, Return to Oz, O-Z. Um, it's an Art Bat remix, A-R-T-B-A-T remix. And it's by, the actual song is by Monolink. I mean, I can like send it this to you after. <laughs> okay. That's great. That's great. I like that a lot. We'll include that in, in the playlist. That's awesome. And lastly, where can people check out your work and follow you on social media? Um, I would go check out my Instagram at hwoo.lee. That's just kind of the central hub, the central hub uh, to go to my TikTok and to my website and YouTube that's like still being developed. That's like a problem I need to fix. But that's where I post most of my updates and everything. So my Instagram. I like real quick. I want to point out how you're like, that's a problem I need to fix. This is somebody who has over half a million people actively rooting for him and supporting him on TikTok. And you're like, I, I have a problem on YouTube. I got to work out. But no, I think I, I want to quickly point this out because it's important because it's something I, I'm thinking about too. It's like there are so many platforms out there and there's a eagerness in a cool way to want to be able to experiment with all of them. But it's really hard, I would argue, impossible to do them all at once really well. And so I think like the approach you're taking where you, you, you've gotten comfort with one and now you're slowly incorporating another one, that seems like the more sane, healthy way to do it. Correct me if, if you feel otherwise. Yeah, and like within the food content, or at least because that's the realm of creators that I'm familiar with and who I know and I've befriended, uh, within that realm, everyone's like, oh, do everything. Like, try to get on every platform, post everywhere. And, like, I get, like, why they're saying that, but Christ, mate, it's, like, fucking overwhelming. <laughs> agreed, um, agreed. I'm, yeah, I've, like, decided, at least in the beginning, I decided to try to bring my Instagram as approachable as possible. And so, like, my Instagram, like, I thoroughly write or 
you know, I take the time to like write out the recipes and make sure it's easy to read versus like, I don't want to just have a page of like just food or whatever. Like I just, yeah. need to, I, there's like particular order to my Instagram and I wanted people to like want to stay and go back to it and just like look up recipes and stuff. I really like the synergy between your TikTok and your Instagram because I mean, it would be really hard, I think, to for me to follow to try to emulate one of your recipes just off your TikTok videos, especially with the quick mm. cuts, I would yeah. just, I would just, you know, go crazy. But the to be able to see it kind of in the bite-sized version and then to digest it, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, by going into your Instagram and seeing, you know, step by step how it works, I think that's something that that maybe is a goal of mine at some point this year if I can attempt an HWU dish, I, just an attempt. Um, I will I will be thoroughly happy with myself and uh, I don't expect to nail it on the first try like you managed to do but um, I'm just like so so inspired by by the things you make and for people who aren't yet familiar definitely check it out and I think it's also worth noting there are some really elaborate dishes you make and you mentioned that you're drawn to things that you can get in a restaurant that might be harder to create at home there are also some things like pomodoro that people might have some familiarity with and that's something that like as somebody watching, I think, okay, maybe that's kind of my entry point into more advanced level stuff is start with something I have vague understanding of. Um, so that that's something that, that you've got in my wheels turning in that regard. Yeah, I was about to say, just try the Pomodoro. It's like, it's mad easy. It's yeah, you just throw it all in a pan and like, that's it. Yeah, so. amazing. And for people curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at HDYDpod. H. Wu, thank you, dude. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, How Do You Do Podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, Listen on Apple Podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews, and all you need to do is tap the star on the far right, and you've left a five-star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that, and I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers, and I'll see you back here next week.